Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Tonight I want to speak from the book of Jude. Now Jude um, is the last book um, of the New Testament before you get to Revelation. We all know that Revelation is the last book of the New Testament. That's the famous uh, book that has so much uh, to say uh, with with uh, such little understanding of what it means. And uh, so it's, it's an amazing book, but it, it causes great, even the great preachers um, tentatively go into Revelation uh, and preach from it, which is why I don't preach from it very often. So, um, but uh, the book of Jude is actually another book that is just one chapter um, it, depending on how big your Bible is, most people's Bibles are just a phone now these days. But um, I, I also have a, a Bible at home, um, a large print Bible we, we have at home that I, I read from. It's the only one I can read without glasses. And, uh, and I find, as I was saying the other day, I find that um, reading from large print, I understand things better. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Uh, it's sort of the bigger the print, it's, it's a little bit like when you're a child. You know, when you read it, when children they have these massive words, and they go, uh, <laughs> and I kind of feel a bit like that. So, um, and I was uh, reading from the book of Jude, and Jude is is a heavy duty book. Um, it's it's actually um, when um, scripture was what they call the canon of scripture. What that basically means is is um, when the books of the Bible were contained together uh, and um, were were brought together and agreed upon that these were the scriptures upon which we would be, um, would uh, form the New Testament. It was uh, commonly understood and agreed uh, consistently through the church that these were the books that were considered scripture. Um, There were many other writings that uh, were written, many other writings written by the same authors who wrote scripture that never made it into scripture. And so there were many uh, books and and, um, there's actually, it's a study you can do yourself actually, it's quite fascinating, uh, reading the books that um, never made it. And uh, (laughs) which is quite fascinating. But there's a lot, and there's a lot of very, uh, factual, very interesting, a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom in those books, but they're not considered to be scripture. And the book of Jude almost never made it. It almost never made it. But uh, and the reason for being that it's, it's it it comes across as being so so tough on people, so so uh, strict. And yet, actually, when I was reading it this week, I was reading it and was overwhelmed by the grace that flowed through it. And it's amazing the perspective you have. Um, when, you, when, you, when you see grace, you will see it. Uh, but when you see judgment, you will see judgment. And, but it's actually, the Bible is full of grace. I remember um, speaking to a young lady who was um, brought up in a very strict uh, Islamic family. And she was encouraged to, um, listen, to the, listen to the Bible. She didn't read the Bible. She was able to get, um, at the time, it was audio tapes. And uh, so remember those. And so she had uh, uh, audio tapes of the Bible and she listened to the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation just to get an understanding of what it was. And this is, this is what she said. I had not realized that God, one, is love and God is a wonderful father. 
that she'd never, never realized. It was just such an impact. That's, that's what she got just from listening to the Bible. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? The revelation that God is love and He is a wonderful Father. What an amazing revelation to get. And, uh, but the book of Jude, we're going to read here from Jude chapter 1. And it says in verse 20, it says this, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into His glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power and authority are His before all time and, uh, and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Now, most of our lives, we live in a now perspective. But as we just read here at the end of Jude, God is a God who is before all time. He sits outside of the boundaries of time. And so God is a God not constrained by the understanding of linear time from beginning to end. God is the Alpha and Omega. He is the completeness and the fullness and the the absoluteness, if that's a word, of life. And God is uh, bringing to us a salvation, a message of grace that teaches us how to live with Him, how to walk with Him, how to find that there is an incredible amount of grace that is available to us. You know, I was only um, thinking the other day about how much God's love and God's grace is available to us. Let Let me help you understand this. God is perfect in all His ways. He is perfection. He is purity. There is no variation. There is no, it's not like, he doesn't tell little white lies every so often. <laughs> he doesn't fake, he doesn't make up stories just to let people know that he likes them, but really he forgot about them. He, he doesn't play any of the human games that we play. He doesn't get involved in any of those issues. In fact, so much so, those issues don't even exist in His world. They they are not even a part of Him. They, They cannot exist in Him. No amount of any kind of slight corruption can come anywhere near His presence. He is the ultimate in purity and holiness and perfection. And this is the problem. He has called us to live with Him in that place. Now that's a problem. That's a problem right there because we know that we're not that. (laughs) If God is pure and holy, we're not. If God is righteous, if God is amazing, we're not. And so here is God pure and holy and here we are in a range of different places and issues 
Every single one of us falling short of the glory of God. We all fail. We just all fail consistently. That all of mankind fails. You know, the most amazing thing about the message of Jesus Christ and the message of hope is the fact that all of us have failed, but all of us are invited to the party that is called salvation. We're all invited to this incredible party. We're all invited to this incredible world where God lives in perfection. And so you have this amazing imperfection be invited to a perfection upon which there is no compromise. So God doesn't compromise His purity. He doesn't compromise His holiness. He doesn't compromise His righteousness. And He's inviting us upon whom we can't fix our problems. We can't change. We know that even when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're still sinners, still working it out. And the amazing thing about God's grace is the fact that the thing that enables us to transfer from that place to that place is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that covers our sin, that leads us into a place of incredible revelation and understanding. Whereas it says in verse 20, um, verse 24, it says, and, and tonight I've just followed my own vein because I'm preaching my message back to front now, but we'll work it out. It says here, Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into His glorious presence without a single fault. Without a single fault. How many of you can imagine what it would be like? How amazing would it be just to have one single fault? <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I'd be like, this is my single fault. Yeah, I pick my nose. I gotta be, <laughs> this is my single fault. You know, What single fault would you have? Would you choose? The Bible says that he, God, His grace will come and work in us so that no single fault will be found in us. What is that? That's grace. That's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that covers over, that does not take into account, that places no judgment, that leads you not into a place of of condemnation, but leads you into a journey where sin is slowly but surely being washed away from us. We are stepping out of who we were and stepping into something incredible, something marvelous. This is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. A grace that exists without time. And because God exists without time, He exists in a place that says, if He exists without time, that's how we are saved. We are being saved. And we were saved. When Jesus died upon the cross, He provided salvation right then. And He is saving us right now. We were forgiven. We are forgiven. We will be forgiven. That's the power of salvation because it exists outside of time. And so because it exists outside of time, it is always relevant to our lives wherever we're at. And tonight I want to speak about how we learn to live with a salvation perspective, seeing the full work of God's mercy that rests upon your life. You see, if you don't understand that God's mercy is, is, is working in your life, you'll never see the perspective of what God is doing, and you'll only ever see the perspective of what you're struggling with. It says here in verse 20, it says, 
In verse 20, uh, so yeah, we're reading verse 20, and it says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. Now, I love this verse, but it's an incredible, it almost doesn't make sense to our kind of thinking. Because we always live in a now world, we're always saying, yeah, I, Jesus is, has saved me. And mercy is something that we're always applying in the now. I come to church, I know I sinned. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. I know that I've said things I shouldn't say. I know that I've, I've, I've gotten angry. I know that sin is around my heart and around my life. I'm not the only one, am I? Right, okay. <laughs> Feeling vulnerable there for a minute. You <laughs> was all looking at it going, really? What, what did you say? <laughs> Let me take notes. <laughs> so... I know that I'm a sinner and so, but I come into church and I know that mercy is immediately available for me that I may come into his presence still even though I was that person. His mercy is available to me. His mercy is what enables me to deal with the here and now. But the Bible tells me that I... What does it tell me? (laughs) And the Bible says, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. To, uh, to wait for His mercy is to step back and to have a perspective of what God is doing in your life even when you're not feeling, seeing or knowing the mercy of God in that moment. Yeah. You're stepping back and you're going, because I know that He loves me, I know that mercy is coming after me. Because I know that He has a plan for me, I know that there is mercy available to me. In other words, I'm stepping back and I'm looking from a different perspective that I may see it from an eternal perspective. We see our lives from a natural perspective, but God wants you to see your life from an eternal perspective. You see, when you see it from the natural, you see it from this dimension. You look at your current circumstances, you look at your current struggles, you look at your current friends, you look at your your current projection in life, and you wonder how on earth it's going to work out. But the Bible says here that we are to wait for mercy as we look forward to an eternal life in Jesus Christ. In other words, if we see it from an eternal perspective, we are like ones who look from uh, like an aeroplane looking over our whole life. When Cheryl and I used to live in Bridge of Don, I would fly um, in and out. Many of you know that um, I travel quite a bit. And I, when we lived in Bridge of Don, Generally, when we were coming into, the plane was coming into land, as we were coming, we would fly over Bridge of Don coming into land on many occasions, just depending on which way the wind was blowing uh, and to which the route the aeroplane would be taking, whether you come up from the, um, from the south end of the city, you come up over uh, Maastricht, I think it is, and you go over the Maastricht shopping centre. In fact, I, I know because I've stood in the shopping centre there. And just as you get to the shopping centre there, the light, the, they, they will put their landing lights on. And it would just come right over top and then bing, the lights will come on as the planes come into land. And so, uh, but the, um, if it's coming from the north, we would fly over Bridgerton and every, we would fly over. And as I would look at Bridgerton and look at the city of Aberdeen, from an aeroplane perspective, 
every time I did it, I would have to go, oh, hang, hang on a second, what, what road is that? Because I live in the, on the earth, walking around, I don't fly normally without an aeroplane. <laughs> Other than when I take aeroplanes. No, I don't. <laughs> so, when... When we are here, we see the perspective of roads and buildings and you just see what you can see. But when you're on an aeroplane, everything has a different perspective. And so I would fly, we would fly over our house. But you know what? In all the years I flew over Bridgeton, I never once saw our house, even though our house was in view. I just couldn't make out which one it was because I wasn't used to the perspective. I didn't know what the... In fact, I would struggle to make out which road was which. I would look at it. Now, the the pilot, he could tell you the whole city. The pilots knew Aberdeen like the back of their hand, but they knew it from an aerial perspective, probably more than they knew it from an on-the-ground perspective because they saw the whole city. When you fly over a city, you don't just see the way you see it here and now. You see houses, you see their back gardens, you see industrial estates, you see parks, you see um, grand houses with palatial gardens. You see them all and they all link together in, in this incredible map that you would never see if you were driving down the road. You're seeing a city from a different perspective. And when you see the city and all of the city, you see what a city it is. But if you're just driving down the road, you may just see a few grey houses here or there and you never get to appreciate how magnificent a place is. You see, I want you to understand that God wants you to be able to stop and look and see your life and see the perspective that God has for you because mercy is awaiting you if you will stop and look from an aerial view of what God is doing in your life. See, mercy is waiting for you. It says in Psalm chapter 23, a beautiful psalm, it says this, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. For I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You see, I, I want you to understand that, that God's mercy is pursuing you. There is a pursuit of God's grace, His mercy, His goodness, and His unfailing love that is chasing you down, covering you, protecting you, and building a different life if you can see it from a different perspective. What you're in right now isn't just the perspective that you've got to see. You've got to see it in an eternal place. You know... There have been many times in my life where I have been through circumstances and situations that I'm looking at thinking, why did I go through that? I've often told the story of the time I nearly killed myself on my, on my motorbike. A little Honda 125. Um, Cheryl's brother had made it go about 120 miles an hour. It went a lot faster than the speedo actually said <laughs> and uh, he, she, he had hodded this thing up and uh, he, he, I'd bought it off Cheryl's brother and um, he had made it go a lot faster but he was an experienced biker and I was just ignorant so we, <laughs> so I just got on this little 125 and we used to just really whine it was terrible and uh, we would go flying and I remember I went round I, 
I went round a, a blind bend at 60 miles an hour. I had no idea how to corner. I had no idea how to get the bike down or, or even get round. I end up on the wrong side of the road. A car is coming the other way. I clip the car. My little toe catches in the arch of the, the, the rear uh, uh, wheel arch of the car. And my handlebar cracks into the into the the, the, the wing uh, the rear wing of the car just as the on the uh, the corner window light and and I, I can't, and as I smack into it I, I, the bike gets pulled around this way and as it gets pulled around so I naturally I try and straighten up only now I'm behind the car I don't know what speed I'm doing now but I was doing 60 so I was going around I smack and doing and all I can see is the front grille of a lorry <laughs> an articulated truck that was following I'm looking now at speed there isn't anything I can do but all I remember after that is poodling along the footpath on the other side of the road at walking pace thinking what just happened I have no idea what happened but I know that mercy pursued me and mercy saved me now I I want you to understand there have been many situations in your life where you could have lost it many situations where, where, where something has taken place but God has rescued you because mercy is pursuing you so it's not time to blame God there's no time to complain to God there's no time to have a moan with God because it's His mercy that is racing after you it may be your foolishness it may be the circumstances around you that have caused you to, to only see the things that hinder you. You know what? When you have a natural perspective, you only see the things that hinder you. But when you have an eternal perspective, you see the mercy that is pursuing you and chasing after you. <coughs> Had I lost my life that day, you wouldn't be sitting here listening to me. <laughs> There's a revelation for you. It was 1987, and I hadn't. Cheryl and I, in fact, in fact, it could have been earlier than that. It could have been 86. I don't know. And there wouldn't have been any kids. There wouldn't have been any church. There wouldn't have been. There wouldn't have been the lives of people that God had ordained. For us to meet that God has said these people are going to live in Aberdeen. That the plans and the purposes of God are working through in our life. That if we hadn't, if, if His mercy hadn't pursued, all of those things would have, would have, um, would have fallen apart. Are you understanding me here? I remember when we were first married, we went, I was running my own business and I went many months without getting any pay. And we would just go for months without pay. And we would work hard. And I would go to work in the morning. And I would just come home exhausted at night. I would be filthy dirty from all the, uh, the work in the workshop. And uh, I was trying to do everything. I started off with a furniture business. And I wasn't actually by, by training a cabinet maker. I was a salesman. And I had set up in business with dad. My dad was a cabinet maker. And I was a salesman. I said, dad, you make the furniture. I'll sell the furniture. And so we started making and selling. But as time went by, we needed more people. And you know when you're a business, you've got more work but less money, you know. And so, and so you know, I was selling it. And then I was running into the workshop and I was making it. And uh, so we started making furniture with dad as well as selling furniture. But as time goes by, the business began to struggle. And we actually, we, we, we struggled more with our own ability to actually make the furniture fast enough than, than we did with the uh, ability to sell the product. And so we, we were struggling with debt and we're struggling with, with, with finances. And, and I had 
um, all these um, people I was bringing in to do work as well. And so by the time I finished paying them, there wasn't any money left for me or for my dad. So we were doing it. Everyone else was getting paid apart from us because we own the business. That's the pleasure you have of owning a business. You get the last one to get. <laughs> you, you can only take something from the pot. There's anything left. And so that's what it was like. And I remember just looking and we, were, we, were, we, couldn't, we couldn't pay our mortgage. We couldn't tax or insure the car. The car was put. It was a little old Ford Fiesta and that was just put in the garage. We couldn't afford to buy food and we lived off the generosity of family and friends. But I, I want you to understand that, you see, see, mercy pursued us in those days. See, had we seen it only from a natural perspective, we would have quit a long time ago. We would have run away. But we knew that God was doing something in our lives and we just had to see it through. Because mercy was pursuing us, we began to understand that what we were going through was more significant than our, our, our immediate suffering that we were feeling. You see, you've got to understand that what you're going through right now is really only just tiny in compared to the eternal weight of what God is doing in your life. See, God wants to do something amazing in your life, but you have to understand you've got to see it from an eternal perspective. His mercy is pursuing you wherever you're at right now. His mercy is calling you. His mercy is drawing you on. His mercy is saying, come on, don't quit now. Don't quit because I've got a plan for your life. I've got a plan to see you through. I've got a plan to enable you to walk in His ways and walk in His purposes. You know, many people want to know what it is to live in the purposes of God. They want to know what, that, what God has got for their lives. That God has got a plan for them. That surely... God has designed our lives to, to um, He's designed our lives that we would just obey what He has commanded, that God has written a script for your life. I want you to understand that God has eternal purposes, but He has not written a script for your every day. I do not believe it. I believe He has written a plan and a purpose and a destination and a destiny, but He has not written a script. The script does not tell you what clothes to wear. He doesn't tell. I remember hearing a preacher once preach that he put on his blue trousers and he heard a voice from God telling him to put on his brown trousers. And he told this story about how now he was wet. How now, brown cow. He was telling... He was telling the story about how he was, he was wearing his brown trousers because that's what God told him to do and now he was in the will of God. And I'm thinking something must have happened because he was wearing the brown trousers like he had an accident and it was all fine or something. <laughs> but no, there was no, he just said he was now in the will of God because he's wearing his brown trousers. And I'm thinking, mate, you sound like a pure weirdo right there. What has that got to do with anything in life? What color trousers you wear? No one's going to be offended by blue or brown. It doesn't make a, a bean of difference. The God does not care about what color shoes, what color clothes, what type of clothes. You can wear what you like. You can choose for yourself. He has not written a script that determines all of those things. Are you with me here? 
But God has chosen for you a destination. He's not only chosen for you a destination, He's chosen for you an incredible purpose and a destiny in your destination. He's chosen for you a life that is so significant that you would see incredible people's lives healed and saved and restored. He has purposed for you that you would walk with Him in His plans. That as you walk with Him, deciding what clothes you're going to wear on the day... He has a script for you of a destination and a journey. You see, God is far more like a GPS. Who's ever driven with a GPS? Pretty much everyone who's ever driven drives with a GPS. I've got, um, I've got a GPS um, in uh, just one I take away on holiday. And uh, we're taking it. It's about four or five years old now. And it's, it, it's, it's too old. <laughs> Because the roads, you're driving, you're driving somewhere in Europe, and you're driving on a road doesn't exist. It, it's not. It wasn't there when they did. <laughs> and so the thing is, and now it's trying to route me. It's trying to route me down roads that have been changed. And and but God sets for us a destination. And this is the thing about a GPS, right? It doesn't matter how many times you reroute yourself; it will always reroute you back doesn't matter how many wrong t- makes, turns you make, it will always reroute you back. You know, when God, when God calls you onto a destination, He will work out for you the best route for you to take. If you go this way, you'll get there quicker than if you go that way. But if you go that way, you can still get there, but it's going to take you longer, and there's a lot more you're going to have to deal with if you do. Do you understand me? See, he sets for a best plan. And if you choose not to date God's best plan, if you chose, to, how many times in life have you made a wrong turn? How many times in life have you just done something you shouldn't have done? You've gone down the wrong turn. Did God say, I'm sorry, I've had enough of you. I'm, sorry, I'm just getting out the car right now. We're not doing this journey anymore. You know what? A GPS at no point will it ever say what a hopelessly useless driver you are. It will never say that you are useless. It will never... It will never make a criticism of how bad your driving is. It will never make a criticism of your directional ability. It will never make any comment about anything about how you drive. It will just reroute you to the best way to get you back on track to where you were supposed to be. I want you to understand that God is far more interested in your destination than He is in your local problems that you're dealing with right now. And He is far Finding the best way. He will reroute you around those problems so that you will get to your destination. The Bible says that He will present you faultless and perfect without a single fault. He will present you in that end time. He wants you to understand that His mercy is hunting you down. His mercy is leading you on a route where you learn to make, not make those mistakes again. You know, there have been many times when we're driving, when you drive with a GPS, it's actually trying to first, it's trying to get to that place where you think to yourself, oh, I've got to turn, I've got to turn now. But often we turn too early. Who's ever done that? You're driving, you're driving along, you get GPS and it says turn, but then as you, be, you turn and then you realize that you were too quick 
and, and the, the GPS, it's, you've not got there yet. And, and so you're like, oh, for goodness sake. And then, it, and then it, it's rerouting you to find the best way of getting you back. And so there are many times in our life we just make mistakes. Many times in our life that we make a wrong decision. When we should have done something that we didn't do it. We should have spoken to someone and we didn't speak to them. We should have gotten up to pray, but we didn't. We should have dealt with the issues of our heart, but we didn't deal with them. We should have brought to God the things that we couldn't understand or the things that we troubled, that troubled us, but instead of bringing it to God, we decided we'd work it out for ourselves. Should have done that, but we didn't. God did not reject you at that point in your mistake. He did not cancel out your destiny because you have been foolish in your present day. Your present day does not speak of your eternal position in God. It just happens to explain your current mistakes and circumstances. God has got something far greater for you than what you're in right now he wants you to understand and I want you to understand tonight he says let me finish with this it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 it says yes and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom all glory to God forever and ever amen don't you love that yes and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom He will bring me safely. I want you to understand, He will bring you safely into His heavenly kingdom. Such an amazing promise that exists for our lives that God has for you a promise of safety. I I want you to know this. He doesn't judge you, but He does call you. He doesn't condemn you, but he does offer a hand of redemption. He doesn't strike you away, but he does say, come on, leave it behind. He took the woman who was caught in adultery and he loved her when everyone else wanted to hate her. He reversed an terrible injustice, a wickedness, an absolute hypocrisy of people that would blame a woman when adultery is committed by two people. He took and he took the woman and he and he said, Yeah, I don't judge you either. He was the only one that could, of course. He could have. But if he had, he would have ruined his whole purpose for being here. He didn't come to bring judgment, he came to bring life. And so there he is with the woman. And then he says, Don't sin anymore. Leave it behind. Come on. We can change this thing. I, I want you to understand that. We can leave behind the mistakes of what we've made. We can leave behind 
the things that we have done wrong. And it's a beautiful thing, not something which is terrible. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com.